This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. Welcome to it, The Adam Ritz Show. My name is Adam. Ritz, I almost forgot my last name there, Jay. And on the phone with me is Jay Baker. Uh, how's Mr. Baker doing? Hey, uh, I remembered my last name, and I'm ready to roll. It's, it's always a good day when I can say both my first and last name at the same time. <laughs> uh, what is your knowledge of uh, disco? Uh, you know, I know you were on the air, uh, classic rock radio in the in the mid to late 70s. Uh, well, let's just say late 70s. I don't want to age you that much. So the late 70s through the 80s, you were a classic rock jock during the time when uh, really rock radio was the death of disco. What was your uh, yes. what's your memory of that time? Well, you probably know that drew a definite line in the sand. Rock and roll guys were saying anything but disco. And there were a lot of famous, uh, like, disco destroyer events where people would take disco records and either break them or burn them. There was a huge disco destroyer event, I think. I, I know for sure it was in Chicago. Uh, but I think it was at White Sox Park, wherever they were playing at the time. Comiskey. And, yeah, Comiskey. And it actually shut the park down. They had to reschedule the game. I think the uh, White Sox had to take a forfeit, which is unheard of <laughs> in modern Major League Baseball. But that's my recall of it is that was sort of its zenith with that particular event. Now, you know, you're doing uh, Led Zeppelin and uh, ACDC and, and Pink Floyd and uh, all those great songs on uh, classic rock radio in 1979, but you had to have had a guilty pleasure. What was just one disco song that you actually liked? I will give you my absolute all-time favorite. It doesn't get played a whole bunch. <laughs> But I just absolutely loved it. It was the Tramps, spelled T-R-A-M-M-P-S, and it was called Disco Inferno. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, and I, what I do recall a great that. song. That's, yes. a great, that's been featured in a lot of movies. <laughs> uh, you know that song. Everybody knows that song. Well, uh, I, I bring up the, the disco uh, era, I guess, because the queen of disco was Donna Summer, who sadly passed away. Uh, I think 11 years ago, at the age of 63, she passed of lung cancer. Uh, her estate, her daughters, are working with Christie's of New York to auction off a ton of her stuff for charity. It's happening right now. Uh, the auction ends on June 29th. So if you search this out and go to Christie's of New York, you can actually buy Maybe one of her glittery gowns that she used to wear on stage. Maybe uh, one of her paintings. She was quite an artist, uh, if you didn't know that. I just found that out today. Uh, her gold records, her uh, Grammys, her awards, they're auctioning off so much of her stuff. Uh, her daughters say to, A, share with the world. They don't want this stuff just locked up in a closet somewhere. And B, portions of the proceeds will go to some of Donna's favorite charities, including the Elton John AIDS Foundation uh, St. Jude's Children's Hospital, and more. Uh, I always think, you know, my era of Donna Summer was uh, she works hard for the money. 
that song. Yes. I, I can. The, I'm an MTV kid, and that video. She's wearing the the waitress costume, and she works hard for the money. <laughs> 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 but I'm telling you, do you remember a movie called um, "Thank God It's Friday"? Oh yes. It was not not the biggest blockbuster, but it certainly played upon uh, the time, the popularity of disco. Certainly, the a piggyback movie of Saturday Night Fever. The disco BGs, John Travolta, yes. Phenom. Uh, well, it was late. I think it was '79. I was probably about nine years old, and that movie was on HBO some month in the summer. And I must have watched that movie twelve times. Uh, it features Donna Summer and her song "Last Dance." So that song, oh yeah, really big in my childhood nostalgia. Um, but I think that's pretty cool and pretty interesting that uh, Donna Summer's children's uh, children are, are are doing this to raise money for Elton John and the AIDS Foundation and the St. Jude uh, Children's Hospital and uh, several other little charities that Donna Summer believed in. You can again search this out. The auction goes on until June 29th, and it's uh, through Christie's of New York, the Queen of well. Disco. Absolutely. Now we're on the air. So this is just recall, not an article I'm looking at, but I don't know if you saw this, that all of Freddie Mercury's estate went to the girlfriend that was featured in the film Bohemian Rhapsody. Her name escapes me, but she has the largest collection of Freddie Mercury memorabilia because she never parted with any of it when it was bequeathed to her following the untimely death of Fred Mercury. Well, I know, I know you you know this, our listeners don't, but um, I, I was a freak about that movie. And I think I saw it about 47 times in the theater. Yes. And, you know, I, I'd say a movie like uh, Empire Strikes Back when I was a kid, I probably saw that three times in the theater. Again, this was during an era when you couldn't watch it on TV or on your smartphone. You just you had a chance to see it in the theater, and that was it. Um, and I haven't really seen any other movie more than three times in the theater other than Empire Strikes Back. And uh, I saw Bohemian Rhapsody, and something oh, in it I just know. struck a chord with me. And I th- that that fall, I think it was fall of 2019, I saw that movie more than 40 times in the theater. I went twice a week for the entire run until they until it left theaters. I lo- it was almost like going to see a concert. There was so much music sure. in it. Uh, and I'm not even that big of a Queen fan. I like Queen. I had their greatest hits on cassette when I was a kid. But I, you know, I beyond just the greatest hits, I didn't have any real affiliation with Queen other than just liking their you know seven most popular songs. But that movie struck me. And yeah, he left his entire estate to Mary. Uh, her now her last name escapes me, but uh, they were married for a while or engaged at least, um, and they stayed close friends through his entire life. And he left uh, everything to her, including his royalties for the songs. Yes. So, and there is a jaw dropping uh, part of the story to me was that uh, Freddie had left her his home in London. And she basically stepped out of that home, only went in a couple of times a year to just check on everything, but left it exactly as it was as at the time of Freddie's passing. And they say it's just uh, literally a time capsule of his life. And it, it is going to go up on the charity block here in the not too distant future. Well, I'm throwing my hat in the ring. I might buy it. 
Well, as you said, the man absolutely had the most remarkable talent. Uh, it is sadly missed. And, you know, he brought a great deal of attention, I think, in a very positive way to AIDS. Uh, without you question. Know, it was one of the most daunting diseases that we faced. And he faced it with, uh, with bravery and I think uh, helped a lot of people sort of wrap their minds around that this could happen to anyone. The Freddie Mercury AIDS Foundation is still going as well. And I believe yes. it, it was co-founded and co-chaired by Jim Beach, who was the, if you saw the movie, was one of the, um, oh, well, no, he wasn't the record producer. He was their, he was their manager slash attorney. Okay. Um, and uh, I, I believe he's still alive and still a, a co-chairman of the charity. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, the queen of disco, uh, what is he? He's the queen of classic rock. He's as kind the, of the king of progressive rock. As I the think. as the lead singer of Queen. Yeah, absolutely. No, <laughs> Boy, I mean you're right. How, These how, people are such icons, and as you said, this memorabilia from any of them is just once in a lifetime. You know, I think I'm going to put together a concert event called Queen of Disco. And it's going to be a Queen tribute band with Donna Summer, a Donna Summer tribute performance. Uh, I believe that could play at casinos and riverboats throughout the country. I I would not <laughs> doubt that for even a moment. <laughs> All right, what do you got, Jay? Well, there is a company called Deloitte, and you've seen their name in print a million times. They are one of the country's biggest health and HR firms. They just recently uh, put out a new report that said that uh, lifespan may eventually be incumbent upon employers. And their point was that, you know, Americans uh, live, uh, they work, they get to a point where many people won't retire because they remain in good health. So their uh, contention is that people's lifespan could increase by about 12 years if their employers spent a lot of time on improving conditions for workers and consumers. The report says employers have the tools they need to make the changes now, putting their workers in better positions to make good health choices. And we've always talked about this. You know, it's sad because we don't always make the right choice, but it really does come down to health choices, and that includes eating well, making social connections, and uh, they made a big point of cutting out smoking, which is still kind of an issue. And you and I have talked on this show, almost surprisingly so, because you would think that anybody who's younger than 30 years old has heard every dire warning about smoking, yet continue to smoke. It is uh, alarming and surprising to see so many people still smoking with the known health risk that it uh, imposes. Uh, I don't know how donut holes compares to that, but uh, you know my employer certainly doesn't put cigarettes and ashtrays out on the table. But I'm telling you, Jay, this morning there was a box of donut holes uh, right on the table. Was it speaking your name uh, every every time this week. It's a tradition. I cannot walk from one end of the building to the next without shoving seven donut holes down my down my hole. Uh, yeah, so maybe if my employer took a little better uh, better care of that, I, I might see 12, 12 years at the end of my life. 
life too. <laughs> Absolutely. But I thought that was an interesting point as people, uh, you know, are in the workforce and they're in the workforce for a much longer time period. Uh, this company's kind of saying, hey, it's kind of up to the employer to help you make better choices. I thought that was well put. Yeah, you know, I, and you're right. People are working longer, so you know the traditional age of 65 to retire. I mean, if you if people, it's not uncommon to live to 95 now. So, you need right. 30 years of income to live. If you quit working at 65, people are working until they're 75 and 80 now. Uh, so yeah, if you if your employer and your employment can make things a little better for you, then uh, maybe you'll live longer. I, I see it. Absolutely. Uh, you and I love movies. I know this doesn't have as much to do about the world of public affairs, but Harrison Ford uh, was on a BBC radio broadcast, teared up and thanked his fans for 40 great years of playing Indiana Jones. And you forget 40 years of Harrison Ford and probably one of the most iconic roles in a movie. Oh, without question. In cinematic history, one of the most iconic characters. The costume, the fedora, the hat, the whip, the leather jacket. Unbelievable. 40 years of Harrison Ford years. as Indiana Jones. And he's played that title character five times throughout his career. And the latest film is called Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. You and I know just the sheer names and the sheer magnitude because it's all going to be bigger than life. Uh, and, of course, it'll have Harrison being Harrison as only he can. It'll be released in theaters on June 30th. And to our younger audience that uh, is probably familiar with these movies and probably seen them, uh, they may not realize that the first movie was not called Indiana Jones Part 1. It was called Raiders of the Lost Ark. Ah, that's right. Um, so, yeah, I you know, I saw this week, too, that, that in that interview they asked him, what line, because the interviewer was expecting him to say an Indiana Jones reference or a Han Solo Star Wars reference, they said, what line from a movie that you've been in do you use in your everyday life most often? Like, do you find yourself mm -hmm. saying something and then realize, oh my gosh, that's something Han Solo says? And he said, without a doubt, without question, over the years, the most used line I've used, and I, lose, I use it all the time, is, get off my plane. <laughs> which is what he said when he played the president in uh, Air Force One. Air Force in, One, uh, which is a great film. 1997-ish. But Harrison Ford is a pilot, so he, he flies. And, you know, right. when he's flying his friends around Southern California, when they land, he turns around and goes, get off my plane. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, yeah. 40, well, that's some great cinematic history. 40 years of Harrison oh, Ford as Indiana Jones. Yeah, and uh, to have that kind of role and then to be able to keep recreating it, good for him. Here's a, an, a kind of an amazing story, but not unexpected, you know, because we love convenience, but a mountain of discarded clothing in Chile has become so big, and we're talking about Chile the country, not Chile the food item. Mm -hmm. This uh, discarded pile has become so huge it can now be seen from outer space. Is this one guy? Is this one guy's backyard, or is this uh, like a well, landfill? There's a landfill. <laughs> it's the uh, one of the highest and driest nonpolar deserts in the world. It houses the landfill where the, the, here's the best phrase ever: the West's faulty clothing. 
So, yes, this is when they reprint uh, the Super Bowl champs, but it's the wrong team. Or, uh, you know, somebody disastrously orders Target's latest clothing line, but they selected the wrong color. This is these are this is the island of misfit clothing. The pile now weighs fifty nine thousand tons. Holy cow! And they cannot yeah. repurpose those clothing items for people that need them. I, that's crazy to me. I know. Well, that's kind of what happened here. Is it started out? You know, I mean, any landfill starts out as a positive thing, but this particular landfill, and part of the thing that they've done, you know, and we've talked about this on the show, if um, if you're a, a clothing manufacturer that has the rights to create Super Bowl clothing. Uh, you know there's going to be such a high demand for the product immediately following the game that you go ahead and print both teams winning. Mm-hmm. Yep. But you very carefully set aside the ones from the team that did not win, and you have to send them as far away as possible because you don't suddenly want somebody somewhere in the United States walking around with the wrong team logos on those shirts because you're the supplier and it's incumbent upon you so that's part of the reason they send all this stuff down to chile because they feel like hey this is going to be out of sight out of mind well i apologize i was taking a drink you know somebody has to so maybe harrison ford needs to fly there with a cargo plane (laughs) and fill it up with these t-shirts and take them somewhere else where kids need to wear clothes these t-shirts are causing a problem. Um, these t-shirts need to get off my plane. <laughs> they need to get off my plane. Uh, <laughs> you know, everybody can do Harrison Ford for at least one sentence. You uh, know yeah, that. That was that wasn't a bad Harrison Ford, Jay. That it wasn't really, too it, bad. You were a little. It was a little scary. Uh, I'm a little <laughs> frightened. Uh, but maybe that was Harrison Ford as um, as Darth Vader. That was a little James Earl Jones Harrison Ford coming through. <laughs> Darth. He was a good dad, wasn't he? Uh, The pollution uh, is caused by chemicals from synthetic clothing that could take up to 200 years to totally biodegrade. Uh, So uh, it turns out fast fashion is actually pretty slow and pretty dangerous. So 59,000 tons of clothes. It's something I would imagine just seeing it would be pretty amazing. A mountain of clothes. It would be crazy yeah. to see that. You'd, from far away, approaching it in your uh, Honda, you'd be like, well, there's a pretty mountain range. And then as closer you get, you, you see, uh, you know, the 2023 Purdue Boilermaker National Champions. <laughs> <laughs> NCAA champs. Like, that, yeah. That's not right. They didn't <laughs> win that. I think Ohio State won that year, but maybe, I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah, absolutely. That's funny. Uh, We always love to sort of look at fast food trends because, let's face it, we always tell you to make wise choices on this particular show, but we know in our heart of hearts, occasionally just certain food items hit the spot in a perfect way. One of them, of course, being pizza. And this is kind of a a cool thing. Uh, We'll give credit to the company. It's Domino's. And they are launching anywhere pizza delivery in the United States. Now, it's not everywhere, but basically it it is going to be through the Domino's app. And the service is called Pinpoint Delivery. It will allow customers to order by dropping a pin on a map. 
Genius. And they will then take that pinpoint, uh, hook you up with the closest dominoes. Because, you know, so many of these companies now have worked on uh, autonomous vehicle delivery, robot delivery, uh, even drone delivery. Remember early on, uh, Domino's was one of the first companies to deliver a pizza using a drone. This is a fantastic idea. So so let's say you live in Des Moines, Iowa, and, right. and you're in uh, Houston, Texas for the weekend. And you're in a park, and you're hungry, and you want a pizza. You go to the app, you drop a pin, you order your pizza, and then Domino's delivers the pizza to where you are in the park. Yes, that's fantastic. Then you don't oh, have absolutely. to you don't have to Google like zip codes or where you are or find your nearest Domino's. I, I love it. Yeah, and this is you know for people that you know we've always talked about this. Uh, when we were kids, you know, long before caller ID, you'd make the occasional prank call and deliver some pizza to your neighbors. Of course, we don't recommend that to anyone. Now, with caller ID, you're going to get caught immediately, so don't even think about doing it. Uh, but if great... you're a responsible pizza eater, this could be just the ticket for you. Another great pro tip our young listeners learned from the show. Uh, <laughs> prank call and order pizza for your for someone else. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, pro I never tip. prank called. I never that was not a one-way street out for me. That was never an outgoing prank, but I've received that prank and I welcome that prank. There's nothing better than opening your door and there's somebody standing on your porch with a pizza that you didn't order. Please pr- please America prank me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now begging to be pranked. That I don't. That uh, is a ill-conceived prank. Um, I, yeah. Uh, and well, I don't know how. I guess in the old days, it was the the prank was that the person at, uh, that opens the door has to pay for the pizza. I, I think now you have to prepay for the pizza. So maybe that's what I'm forgetting. Yeah, and you don't want to, you know, because many of these pizza places are small businesses. You don't want to. You know, uh, take advantage of a small business. You know that. As long as the pizza gets paid and I get to eat it, uh, everybody's happy. (laughs) There you go. Unless, of course, you know, the big thing about pizza now, the frontier is whether you would accept pineapple on your pizza or not. I I would. uh, I don't. I don't. It's not my first choice. Uh, But I've had a piece of ham and pineapple pizza. It's not uh, terrible. Um, You know, when we talk about healthy eating, uh, are you aware of any of these pizza joints doing the um, the cauliflower crust or any of that type yes. of stuff? Uh, I highly advise trying that. If uh, if anybody is a pizza nut, loves your za, uh, give it a shot. You may end up uh, enjoying it enough to try more often than not, or even just make the switch completely over. And I don't want to kill the dough industry, but uh, the cauliflower crust is certainly a more healthier choice. Uh, and if you enjoy it, uh, you know, it, it might uh, help you out in the long run. Yeah. No, I'm with you all the way. Now, are there any big concerts that you want to go to this summer? Jay, this is uh, a topic uh, in my household. Uh, we, earlier in the, in this, I guess, late spring, we wanted to go see Pearl Jam. That concert was announced. It's coming to my town. I'm going to go see Pearl Jam. The tickets went on sale, and the the worst seat inside the pavilion, like before the lawn, was, I think, $400 face value. Wow. And 
so guess what? We are not going to see Pearl Jam this year. So I, we're, we're trying to find that perfect show. Uh, and you know what? Oh, we were just talking about this. Uh, it was, uh, I'm telling you, uh, give me a second. It's, um, is it Sticks and Loverboy? Is that the, have you heard of that tour? It's, yeah, I have heard of that It's Loverboy and Somebody. And, I, you know, the, it's funny because people are like, well, how come you remember Loverboy but not the headliner? And that's because Loverboy was my first concert ever. And I still, See, to this cool. day, love Loverboy. And there's 10 hits they have that I still play on 11, and I will be at that <laughs> Loverboy concert this summer. And if Sticks is there, so be it. <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. It, it's like that. We know that tours get what we call packaged, meaning – if you're a REO, it's like, hey, why don't you go out on the road with Bad Company, Doobie Brothers, and about three other 70s bands? What do you say? You know, yeah. you know how that is. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not a, It's certainly no mystery that getting concert tickets can be incredibly challenging. They just had a new survey of over 2,000 adults. 53% of people have missed the, going to their dream festival or concert because they were stuck in an online queue because that's the other thing. Once you commit to buying the tickets, uh, it's getting increasingly more difficult to even get on with the ticket uh, uh, companies to get your tickets. That is something that, I, you know, I don't enjoy doing that. Uh, when I want to see a concert, I'll usually like – I don't ever go when they go on sale and try to get them. I just know, all right, I'm going to have to bite the bullet and pay a scalper and hope I don't get scammed. Yes. Well, ticket reselling is, is a big business, and there are some reputable companies out there. But uh, to avoid missing out on a show, we're going to give you some tips. This is from music journalist Georgie Rogers, a pro at what she calls the military operation of grabbing tickets and here are her tried and true tips and tricks to get those tickets even if it's pearl jam and you have to spend uh basically uh what uh, six mortgage payments to get tickets is, yeah. is that what you said yeah i could uh, downgrade move into my neighbor's house and go see pearl jam i might be able to do sure. that this summer absolutely uh one of the things you can do is team up with friends and family so that everyone is trying their luck. That is a uh, number one pro tip on that. Makes sense. I like it. Also, also uh, tablets apparently are a little quicker than laptops. They work best for quickly connecting uh, to the internet and to the ticket supplier. And her other hot tip was you should know the layout of the venue that you're buying the tickets at because then you can decide which seats you should get. And you probably have noticed that, Adam, if you try to buy tickets for what you kind of call your home stadium, you've got a pretty good feel for where those seats are. But if you try to buy something, let's say, for an arena in St. Louis, you're taking a wild stab. Yeah, you don't know where those seats are and uh, you know how many uh, full uh, concrete pillars are going to be right in front of the seats you just bought. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The biggest issues with ticket buying includes pricing, automated bots buying up tickets. Have you ever noticed that behavior? Uh, if you go to refresh the page, all of a sudden 
those row three seats magically disappear during the time the computer refreshes. Yeah, I don't I don't trust any of that stuff. There's somebody on the inside that's just, you know, throwing all those on a credit card so that they can resell them later at a profit. I don't trust that. No, I don't either. About 12% of Americans would trade a jackpot winning lottery ticket for front row seats to a band or artist of their dreams. And everybody has that band or artist on their dreams. And that's been part of the reason why some of these shows have become inordinately expensive. Elton John is certainly a case in point uh, because he is technically on just uh, an appearance or two, I think, of completely finishing up his farewell tour. Well, Jay, I want to do a real public service here before the show ends. Did you say, what was the percentage of Americans that would turn in their winning lottery jackpot ticket to be in the front row at their favorite band? 12% okay, of this, Americans in the United this, States. This is a message for you, 12%ers. You, you're going to win a, a $50 million lottery <laughs> jackpot. And you'd rather not win that, but go see your favorite band in concert and sit in the front row. I'm telling you, you can you can take your winnings from the lottery, <laughs> and you can have that band come to your house and clean your bathrooms. And then but, maybe they'll go in the backyard and sing five songs. But, but, what Do if not it's the turn go-go's? in goes Don't turn in your lottery ticket <laughs> to go see the Go-Go's. Oh but what gosh. if it's the Go-Go's, Adam? Come on. You can. I'm pretty sure you could hire the Go-Go's to come to your house right now and clean your I'm garage. I'm pretty sure, yeah. They're not busy. You could get them right away. You could probably get them here in a couple of weeks. Oh, my gosh. All right, Jay, thank you so much. Uh, appreciate the listeners also tuning in. Hope you have a, a great rest of the weekend. And uh, as always, you can join me on Twitter, at Adam Ritz. And on Instagram, I am at Adam Ritz Show. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics audio out-of-home marketplace at Vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit AdamRitzShow.com.